Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I uh, just got back from an audition where I was auditioning for a, a lawyer part, so I've got a, a lot of stuff in my hair, unlike Canelo, apparently, uh, as we had breaking news, uh, had his hair tested, and there's nothing in it. But uh, I'll slide it back to you, Dave. I'm just uh, pretty shocked you hit me with that in the, the 30 seconds before we went on yeah. air. Well, Chacal, who does, um, who's on the uh, Tijuana Boxeo Network, he does a show with uh, Felipe Leon. Uh, he's the one that actually sent me the link. It was in Spanish. So I started reading it, and then I got it uh, in English, which was uh, uh, put up as well. And um, I tell you what, our day's been going well today. Nice, beautiful, sunny day over here in uh, Northern California. Uh, everything's going great. But you got to think that Golden Boy and Canelo are jumping up with joy. About the news right now that they received back because the Sports Medicine Research and Testing Laboratory, a WADA accredited lab out of Salt Lake City, um, they returned the sample and was what was detected out of the hair follicle that was given back in March 29th from Carlino's head, which is on uh, you know uh, was returned on April 20th. And it was received with a single note in the section reserved for the analyst details, which is hair sample tested for clinbuterol, clinbuterol was not detected, which means he didn't have anything. You know, as we all know that even after urine, it takes a week. You know, you can still have it in there. Um, I mean, it, it, it goes away. So you can't really tell whether or not he's been taking it, you know, further back and how long until you, get, you give up a piece of your hair, a sample of your hair, which he did. He did that. Out of the request of the uh, Nevada State Commission, and uh, guess what? He's cleared. There's really not much anybody could really say. And guess what? They've known since 4:20. They found out April 20th. <laughs> right. People have been talking. You know, a lot of people have been demanding that he do this hair test, and then they jump past that to he's not even going to do it. And you know, there's other podcasts out there saying this guy's an OG cheat. You know, he's, uh, you know, coming up with all these nicknames for him, Clanello, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And are they going to do retractions? Because he did the thing no one said he would do. I mean, we, we interviewed Victor Conte went back in uh, March 5th on the next round and talked about the heritage sample. We, I, I wrote about this in 2016. There was two other guys, I, Lucas Brown uh, and Francisco Vargas. I was like, do the hair test. Explained it, cited it. This guy does it two years later. He just opened the door. Canelo is, is, continues to be, if you really look at it in the long view, an anti-doping pioneer. He's been doing anti-doping with, with VADA by choice for since like 2011, right? And sure, he's not doing it year-round. He's not in the WBC clean boxing program. Maurizio Suleiman tweeted at me that he would be joining it uh, shortly. We'll just keep up on that. But Maurizio's never lied to me. I'm not going to uh, pretend like he has. So I think a lot of people need to be eating a serious amount of crow here. And you've got to give props to Canelo for setting a precedent. 
Now, when people test positive, you got to do the hair test because I'm not a Canelo fan. I mean, I think everybody knows this. I'm not a Canelo fan. I'm guilty of making fun of the kid. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'm guilty. Hold on, I'm sorry. You know, um, I got my little ones here with me, so I apologize if they're barking and screaming <laughs> in the background. I'll, I'll apologize now. But anyways, um. They're too you know what? Dave. They're, they're celebrating. I know. Actually. <laughs> they're Yorkies. He's clean. <laughs> Don't insult them. They're Yorkies, okay? But anyways. Oh, uh, oh, whatever. So, yeah, no. <laughs> but, you know, um, right now we got a couple of tweets. You know, like, uh, let's see. Um, it's Jaime79 says, so what is that? What is, so what does Canelo clean hair sample really mean? It, it means that he was telling the truth, that he's not doing anything uh, that he's not supposed to. It was a mistake. He ate some contaminated meat, which, you know, I, I've got to, you know, the thing is, I argued with a few folks on our, on our Gmail, and um, the whole trainer and this, you know, it, the families are all butchers, and I'm like, that's just, that's stupid. That's the dumbest way of looking at things. Like, they're automatically, they're at a restaurant, they, or, or, or they're getting cut meat sent to wherever, wherever they're at in Mexico. You're, you're telling me that they can automatically see or sense when the meat's not, you know, contaminated. That's like, that's like, you know, me as a plumber right away walking in without even really checking into it, uh, making a, a, a diagnosis of why their system, you know, you got a leak in your, in your system or something, you know, I, you know, you can't see that. There's no x-ray uh, vision for it. So to answer that, you know, what does it really mean? It means that the kid was really telling the truth. That, that's exactly what it means. You know, and uh, Jay in 077, he said, shit, it's always it's all we wanted to know. Now we know the rematch is on and up and up. And if he performs poorly in the rematch, then people will still question. Of course, people are still going to question. People are always going to question. That's the way the Internet is nowadays, you know. But the thing was is that it's all due process. And everybody wanted to jump down the kid's throat, right? Everybody was automatically labeling him a cheater. And that's the sorry fact about it is that it's going to always be there with him now, no matter what. No matter what it's proved. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, here's the thing is, is there is no test to say whether or not, you know, the clombuterol was in his system was intentional or not intentional. But people were intimating that this guy was such a cheater, such a roid guy, that he wouldn't right. even do the test because it would expose him to other things. And here he goes and he passes the test. End of story. You, and he you know, gave up the like, hair sample, which a lot of yeah, folks didn't it, think he was going to do. He gave that up. it's just like... Uh, with Luis Ortiz, that guys won't let it let it go, that he was exonerated, you know, or that right. you know it was blood pressure medicine. There was no intent to cheat proven, and the Nandrolone positive, we know there's a, it's got a history of contamination. So, no, I, I'm I'm a person that that believes in the law and believes in due process and letting things play out until all the facts are known. I, I think the facts are known here. That you can't say he's a, clean, uh, a dirty guy. You have to no. say like this guy's been doing vada testing. Before anybody else was doing it, long before Triple G was doing it. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little hot tonight. I had a little caffeine on the way in. Uh, tell me if my mic is too loud. I've I've kind of made some adjustments audio-wise. No, uh, it actually sounds really good. Excellent. Well, we really, have uh, really good. Our first guest, uh, Kurt Emhoff. I, ho- I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, but let's pull him in to talk about. Uh, he wrote a a very long, uh, very thorough piece on. Uh, uh, the Wilder Povetkin, uh, uh, that whole business. So, uh, Kurt, are you there on the line? I'm here on the line. What's going on, fellas? Um, 
we're just kind of basking in the the the, the Canelo news. I don't know if you've heard about uh, the hair test and anything, uh, and if so, what, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I I didn't actually. I just kind of caught the last half of what you guys were saying. So what 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 exactly came out today, Dave? Well, the the Nevada State Athletic Commission had asked him for the uh, for a sample, and he gave that up, and um, he gave that back up at what was it March twenty ninth? March twenty ninth. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Salt Lake did so the, the testing. So the results came in. And, yep. Uh, so April twentieth, they came back. back. Right, on 420th, yeah. And uh, it came back that there was no detection of, uh, of, of anything else in his system, meaning that he's, what the kid had said originally was, hey, it was tainted me, it was a mistake, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You guys can do what you want. I'm a clean fighter. Well, there stands truth behind him. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, you know what? I mean, listen, I, I think the, the Nevada Commission has uh, – has taken some great steps with the, the, the thoroughness of their process. If you look at their um, revamped rules compared to other states, um, they're miles ahead. You know, and, and one thing that ha- really hasn't been talked about at all, which I think is great for what they did, they've deputized VADA. You know, like VADA cannot, when VADA conducts a test now, it's no longer like outside of the, the commission's jurisdiction, right? Like, I know New York had a problem with that when uh, when Morales tested positive because it was a third party test. It wasn't a test done by the commission, right. and it was it was kind of a similar thing with California. Although I, I thought uh, uh, the commissioner that Andy Foster is that his name? Yeah, he handled it just you know he's like listen it, it was an outside of the commission test, but we're not going to bury our head in the sand. You know we're going to take a look at this and, and do the right thing. And you know I mean I know Vargas is. Uh, uh, circumstances were different than Canelo's in that he took a test and he was clean while he was in the States. And then he went back to Mexico and popped positive uh, for clenbuterol, but, but just to trace amounts. So, you know, I, I thought California handled that very well, but neither of those States has the, the kind of deputization of, of VADA and, and, and of a WADA testing facility that Nevada has put in. So now they're basically saying, Hey, listen, if it's a VADA test and it's done under, you know, the, the, the WADA conditions, you know, we're you know that that's as good as Nevada, you know, uh, um, you know, conducting the test. So, I think that's interesting. But at the same time, their uh, their mitigation policy and you know the the strict liability thing. I mean, it's always it's always kind of it's been argued, you know, since WADA came into existence. You know, whether they should have whether they should have that strict liability um, position or not. And, you know, I, I think they kind of did – they did Canelo a little wrong here. <laughs> I mean, if you have two other states who, who basically, you know, looked at the Glenbuterol thing and said, right. uh, hey, you know, it's a trace amount. This is consistent with the trace amount. You know, these guys are testing clean now. Let's have a fight. You know, obviously USADA, which you, the UFC uses, it seems like, you know, anytime these guys from – if they're from Mexico or China or if they've spent time there training and they come back with these trace amounts, you know, they're giving them a pass. And it, it seems like there was a WADA directive, you know, that, that, that pretty much said that. So you've got WADA, USADA, New York, and California going one way. And then Nevada, you know, even though they, I, I like the direction they're going in, it's, it's much more structured. It just seems like they, they gave Canelo a bit of a raw deal, I thought. And just, you know, you know no matter what he did, it seemed like he was going to, you know, do some time. You know, uh, he was going to get suspended. And I, I thought that was a, a little bit of a raw deal. 
And now with the hair test coming back, it really seems like it's a raw deal, right? Yeah, exactly. I thought it was interesting that the the lawyer for for Triple G that he was the one that pointed out strict liability, and and that hey, you guys rules have changed, and right at that moment, you know that the fight's not going to happen. Um, right. You know. Um, uh, I just think it's a game changer in terms of the, the, the biggest star, arguably one of the biggest stars in the sport. Uh, I don't know if he's number one, but he's up there. Uh, this guy decides to give up his hair sample. The next guy that tests positive for clenbuterol and says, hey, it was c- contamination, uh, he's going to have to give up some hair, right? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, if, if you know, again, you know, what's – and this is another thing that, that I have a little problem with with Nevada's policy. There's not really – it doesn't really spell out the burden of proof or, or, or it very much limits the burden of proof for the, for the fighter to kind of rebut that presumption that he's, that he's had a doping violation. Um, to me, I mean, it would be pretty compelling evidence even though, I mean, I, I've definitely seen some things where these hair samples are, you know, there's a little bit of inconsistency with the, with the testing. But, I mean, if, if, you, can, if you can, you know – present that evidence and present evidence that, you know, you, you did, you know, uh, eat meat and that it is a, a, a trace, um, you know, uh, positive. I mean, it's, to me, that that's pretty compelling evidence that you're not, that you're Kurt, not you, using. You, yeah. Kurt, let me ask yeah, you, cause you, you think, text for months think, as opposed to, uh, I'm sorry, Dave, just urine, no, sta- the computer all stays in urine for like, just like days, like less than a week, but in the hair, it stays in months. And so it comes months, back right. negative. Yeah. Uh, case closed. In my right. Right, yeah. You, I mean, obviously, Gabe, you you followed this a lot more than most, you know, maybe all journalists in the sport of boxing. So, yeah, I mean, if if you know, if, if this is compelling evidence for you, I, you know, I'm definitely not uh, going to disagree with you on that. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie and not say, well, the kid's gotten big, but we've also right. watched since he was like 17 years old and with the very best training in the world and like treated like a, a true champion. Uh, right, and we've talked about that. And grow into a 28-year-old. Right. So yeah. I, I might be pretty ripped from 18 to 28 if, if I got treated the way Canelo's been treated. Uh, yeah. A lot of people just jump to a lot of conclusions. Uh, I mean, that's kid the nature big, of Twitter, I guess. The kid was massive at 140. Even at 147, you could still see that he was just growing. His neck looked bigger than his, you know, his head, uh, and it just kept going up and up and up. So that was no big surprise, you know. But, you know, the thing I was looking at was even the way Nevada had kind of handled it, and what you were mentioning a little while ago here, Kurt, on the show, to me, it almost looks like they're still fairly new to all this happening. It's such a high-profile fight that they were being just a little overcautious. Is that the sense you guys got? Because that's the sense that I got with Canelo, you know, and this, you know, coming back with his result with Vada. It it was almost like they were in that. Oh God, what do we do now? We have no guideline. We have no nothing to fall back on and kind of look at and see how we're going to treat this case. You know what? Um, you know, it, it's in essence though they they did have some precedent, and this is this is what what, what bothered me as well. Um, you know, I mean, the the whole purpose of WADA when when they when they formed it was to bring some conformity. You know, now you have a, a code that everyone around the world can use. You know, we're not going to have like 50 gazillion different standards. I mean, you know, maybe the you know maybe Bennett could could address this, and maybe the NAC could address this if 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 you got a you know a chance to interview them. But you know, with the U, even with the USADA, um, the UFC using USADA. These fighters who who test positive, if if it's about in Nevada, you know the the commission still takes a look at it, 
And in the UFC, there was a, 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 a I guess, a Chinese fighter, Li, was a Jing, Jing Liang, I think. And this was in 2016, just after they had enacted the rules. And he, you know, tested positive for clenbuterol, trace amount. USADA let him off, and so did the NAC, you know, yeah. even with the strict liability. Now, maybe because he had tested positive before the rules went into effect and, you know, maybe the suspension, um, you know, the temporary suspension or what have you went into effect before they, they, they enacted those rules. But it's like, okay, this guy in Nevada, you know, test positive for clenbuterol, and, and you let them off, but then when it's Canelo. I mean, I, I don't want to throw any accusations out about the, the commission because I haven't spoken to them. You know, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what was going on. But to me, this seemed like, you know, all of that, that blowback that they got from McGregor Mayweather where they bent the rules and they let that fight happen and then they changed the rules on the gloves and everyone's just like, these guys are just a rubber stamp, you know. These guys are a doormat. You know, all they care about is money. You know, I don't know. To me, it, it looks a little fishy that Canelo, they, they like swing the hammer down so, so heavy on him, you know, when, he, when it's a, clen, a trace clenbuterol test. When they've let a fighter for the UFC, oh, under yeah. very similar circumstances, <laughs> after they've enacted these strict liability rules, they let him off. So it's inconsistent. <laughs> you know, it's inconsistent. I agree with you, inconsistency, but I think backlash as well. And I think that's what maybe they were kind of looking at was like, hey, we went through this. Let's 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 just kind of drop that hammer down and and see what happens. Well, yeah. I don't know and, and, Bob Bennett, and, and right. the next FBI agent, I imagine he's somewhat unflappable. Um, but I I do wonder if the, the there was a it seemed like a lot of people, even supporters of Triple G, didn't want this fight to happen. Mm. Mm. You know, mm. people really pushing. I mean, and like right from the get, like I said, the lawyer for Triple G. Uh, I think Boxing Talk reported this, sent a letter, you know, immediately pointing out to Bob Bennett, hey, there's strict liability here. You know, this fight's done, essentially. Mm. You, you got to give the guy a suspension. And, and, but a lot of the media was really pushing this, you know, the strict liability. No one was ever looking at mitigating circumstances. They didn't care that Canelo turned in receipts. Uh, I'm not sure why they didn't say, you know, why they, uh, there was no mention of the hair test. But, you know, maybe it was on the off chance. He was worried about something, but he didn't want to mention it. I don't know. but Well, I guess, too, you know, the one thing that, that we have to keep in mind here is this was settled out. You know, I, I guess, you know, th this wasn't necessary. You know, there was no real hearing, and, you know, Nevada didn't really have to mm -hmm. weigh any evidence and make a big decision. You know, this, this was a settlement between the parties. So it seems like, I mean, my when I saw that, I, what I was thinking was, very possibly Nevada was going to require him to, to come with more than what he did, which seems a little unfair. But um, I don't know if you guys are – I mean, Gabe, you may be familiar with the, the Contador case, the, the cycling case. Yeah, um, a little bit. From, yeah, yeah where, that went all the way to the, uh, you know, the, the, the International Can Sports Court. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but they, they basically – they required him to, like, trace that meat all the way back to the farm. <laughs> right, <You know? laughs> and try and prove that the farm it came from was using clenbuterol. Now, you know, you know, people talk about you know this oil is so prevalent in Mexico, but the government is trying to crack down on it. So you're not going to get a right. farm or a slaughterhouse that's going to be like, yeah, we used it. So what? Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I use it over here. Over here. <laughs> right. Um, so that burden of proof would have been, you know, if that's what they were requiring from him, then that's a really high burden of proof to to ask of anybody. Uh, 
to uh, to come up with. So maybe you know, for Canelo, it was That's smart to settle out, and for the NAC, they're like, hey, we got tough on these guys, but you know, we're still going to preserve that fight for September. And he, and he did the counter. It was like, all right, you know, I'll settle out because I'm not going to go find the cow, but I'll I'll give you my hair. Right, you know, exactly. You know? Yeah, uh, it seems like yeah, it seems like they were trying to build a legitimate case. Like, listen, you know, we were not cheating. You know, we'll 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 do the hair test, we'll do whatever, we'll get the receipts, we'll do we'll do what you ask us to do. But I've you know, always found interesting about Canelo is that because he doesn't speak English, uh, or if he does, you know, it's it's uh, privately and he, he generally speaks in Spanish in public. People put a lot of things on him. He also seems to be kind of to himself a little bit, a little bit reserved. Uh, and so they, you know, he's thoughtful. Oh, if he's if he smiles, oh look at him, he's, he's kind of playful. Um, and in this, his silence, they put on that he's guilty. It was really right. interesting to watch all the pictures, all the memes, you know, which are, you know, putting two pictures of a guy side by side uh, and going look at the difference when he's bone dry and when he clearly has just finished working out, and you don't even know what distance the photos were taken at. All that stuff's just Twitter bullshit. Uh, this right. is the fact of the matter. He passed the hair test. Um, right. Sorry, I kind of interrupted you there, Dave. I was just reading Dan Raphael's tweet saying that it's still not proof, but at least lend some credence to the meat contamination reason. But it's not proof. Hmm. (laughs) I guess guess Dan wants to see that cow, man. Dan wants to see the cow. (laughs) I guess so. I mean, what more proof do you need? I guess he wants a tour at that that cow farm, man. Um, Wow. I mean, listen. Yeah. If, if if it's good enough for Usada and Wada, and you know, I mean, it's you know, they they know better than 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 you know, boxing Twitter. So. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not Dan, he has a really nice story here about it, and it's very, you know, it's full of information. Uh, but you know, yeah, that's uh, at some point evidence has to be enough, right? If everybody's good, I mean, it's not like we found this out and then they did the fight. The guy lost millions of dollars to this. You know, um, so anyways, why don't we jump into uh, this is in depth, speaking of an in-depth piece with a lot of information, uh, and I'm not disparaging its length at all. It's, it's great, man. Uh, World of Boxing and Povetkin win summary judgment motion awarded four point three million dollars in escrow and wilder dispute. Um, Kurt, can you can you break down the, the, the bullet points of this epic? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, w- with this one, um, I guess, you know. You, you kind of have to start with – you go back to 2014 when there was a, a lawsuit between World of Boxing and Don King over um, Guillermo Jones testing positive right on the eve of a fight, a title fight, a WBA title fight with Dennis Lebedev. And you know, World of Boxing sued King because there was a provision in the contract, the bout agreement, that said that they, you know, they were obligated to provide him for the fight. And because he tested positive, they couldn't provide him for the fight. They suffered damages, and they sued King. And you know, the Southern District of New York, federal court, they, they sued them there. And the Southern District found, yeah, you know what? King was obligated in this agreement. Jones had tested positive before, so it was foreseeable. And most importantly, the WBA stepped up. I mean, Lebedev basically did what Wilder did. When, when Jones tested positive, he refused to fight. He's just like, I'm not fighting this guy. And the WBA huh. stepped up and, uh, and sent out a letter and said, hey, uh, you know, um, they're just like, we, 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 uh, I'll quote their language. The letter they put out a couple of days later, like the WBA would not and could not sanction a championship bout 
when it was aware of Jones's positive test as this would violate WBA rules, may cause unnecessary harm to Lebedev, and would otherwise compromise the nature of WBA world title bouts. Now, you know, I'm not one who's usually (laughs) going to tell you that the WBA is the most reputable organization, but they did the right thing there, right? So on the strength of that case, when Deontay Wilder is supposed to fight his mandatory, Alexander Povetkin, there's a big, you know, there's a purse bid, I mean, very contentious negotiations, purse bid, you know, the uh, world of boxing, the guy behind world of boxing has a ton of money. So he, he bids like over $7 million for the fight. So the fight's going to Moscow. Um, very shortly b- b- before the date of the fight, oh, yeah, they agreed to VADA testing. Um, and more importantly, they, uh, they, once the first bid was done, they actually had to, you know, come up with a bout agreement. You still got to sign a bout agreement. Very contentious negotiations because world of boxing, having won that, lawsuit against Don King, they knew that that, you know, must produce the fighter language was, was you know, kind of <laughs> to be <avoided>. hairy. <laughs> so they, they did not want that in there. They didn't want it really? in there. Yeah, <laughs> they did not want that language in there. So the, the two sides negotiating, basically they can't come to an agreement. So they went to the WBC and said, listen, you've got, you got to mediate this. You know, we've got to come up with a bout agreement. So the WBC essentially drafts the agreement and eventually they, they browbeat um, world of boxing to agree to that language, you know, that you have to produce the fighter for the fight. So, you know, so then what happens, of course, you know, about a week before the fight, Povetkin, you know, had been, had been doing the testing and he was fine. He was, you know, the first couple tests, he, he was clean. And then he tests positive for uh, meldonium, which, uh, you know, any fans of the movie Black Panther, don't, don't confuse that with vibranium. It is not vibranium, <laughs> it's meldonium. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, uh, you know, so it, it comes to light about a week before the fight, and Wilder's just like, I'm not fighting, you know, it, it's bad enough I got to go to Moscow. I'm not fighting a guy who's juicing. So he basically does the same thing that Lebedev did against Jones. He's just like, I'm not fighting him, you know, I'm not going to do it. He just tested positive. But the WBC, unlike the WBA, did not come out and unequivocally say, okay, well, it's against our rules. This guy tested positive. You know, Wilder's right. I wouldn't put him in jeopardy. I wouldn't compromise a world title fight. They said, uh, you know what? We're going to investigate this. <laughs> so um, eventually, you know, there's a lot of pressure put on the WBC, and WBC said, okay, we'll postpone the fight. So they, they postponed the fight, and uh, they allow Wilder to fight, and Wilder, you know, fights Chris Ariola, and he breaks his arm, and, you know, Eventually, the fight doesn't get made, um, and the WBC then comes back with a decision, and they say, you know what, we, we just can't, we can't determine whether he actually tested positive for, for meldonium. Now, in fairness to the WBC, WADA, which had put meldonium on the prohibited list on right. uh, January 1st, 2016, um, basically moved the goalpost. They kind of you know, walk that back a little bit and say, well, you know, if, if the sample was taken between January and March, um, then, you know, okay, it's, it's, it's a no fault. So, you know, Povetkin's was taken in April, so he, he was still on the hook. But then they came back later in June and said, well, any tests taken between January and the end of September are no fault. So 
in essence, the WBC did actually, you know, they, you know, it's it's definitely debatable whether whether, you know, you you would count that as as a as a uh, as a, a violation, but at the time in April, it still was a violation. So, eventually, the parties, you know, uh, you know, the WBC, you know, saying this, and because of that, because of that Guillermo Jones case, you know, Wilder's camp, they sue because they're just like shit, you know. Those guys won a yeah. million dollars. Same facts. You know, we're suing World of Boxing. So they sue World of Boxing. You know, eventually the judge decides, all right, you know, the WBC is having an issue with whether, you know, they could determine whether, you know, he actually tested positive or not. So why don't we have a trial on just that issue, whether this guy actually, you can ascertain whether he tested positive for uh, meldonium um, after January 1st. So they have the trial. Experts testify on both sides. Both fighters testify, and the jury comes back and says, "Yeah, damn right, he did. He definitely tested positive for it." So, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot more to it, but eventually, the the WBC, you know, I mean, Povetkin is supposed to fight uh, an eliminator after that, and he tests positive for another drug. So, WBC is like, "All right, we've got this jury verdict. He's tested positive for another drug. On the basis of those two things, he's suspended." But then Povetkin. Uh, appeals that decision by the WBC, and once again the WBC flip flops back and says, "No, you know we're going back to our, our old decision. We can't ascertain even if there's a jury verdict, we can't ascertain whether he actually tested positive or not." Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so, so, so now both sides file summary judgment motion. Of course, Wilder's side is thinking, "Hey, we won the trial, so now we just need to wrap this case up and get our money." Oh, oh yeah, the one thing I left out. There's like you know. Wilder's purse was in escrow, which, you know, in international fights, that's what you do, because if you don't put it in escrow and you get ripped off in Moscow, good luck litigating and getting that money back. <laughs> so you have you always have the promoter, the, the, the promoter, the, the international promoter, put the money in escrow before you leave the U.S. And it's probably the same, you know, for a Russian fighter coming to the U.S. as well. You do the same thing. Um, so the money's in escrow, and as soon as this guy popped positive, Wilder's side's like, all right, keep it in escrow. You know, we we got a dispute here. So, you know, these guys, they, both sides filed the summary judgment motions, and the court is just like looking at this mess. They see the WBC flip-flopping back and forth, but they look at the bout agreement, and because the WBC drafted it, it's basically like, okay, you know, the parties will basically do whatever the WBC decides. You know, all, all, all the disputes in this case, you know, they're at the discretion of the WBC. The WBC's rules, you know, uh, shall apply to this thing. And you look at their anti-doping rules, and they are just like, you know, there's no strict liability. Um, they, they're explicit about that. And, you know, all of the penalties, there's no set penalties. It's all in the discretion of the WBC. So the court just looked at this and said, listen, the bout agreement is, is subject to the, to the WBC rules. The WBC rules, in essence, say, you know, it doesn't explicitly say that you can't use PEDs. Hmm. <laughs> it's basically like there's no strict liability, and it's, it, it's completely in their discretion. And in their discretion, even though, you know, we had this jury trial, um, you know, they, they said they can't ascertain it. So there's, you know, basically this guy did not agree. He didn't breach the agreement. Basically, the WBC caused the, the agreement to be breached and, and the fight not to happen. So I can't find World of Boxing or Povetkin liable. Even though you had VADA <laughs> finding a violation, you had a jury 
you know, finding a violation. And, you know, they appealed that, and, and, and the judge upheld the decision. You know, even with all that, you know, this, this guy even basically. That, even with all that language there, we still can't find anybody at fault. <laughs> right, 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 right. Even though, even though, you know, Vada found he tested positive and a jury found that, you know, he, he tested positive, he didn't test, you know, he, he didn't violate the agreement. He didn't violate wow. the agreement, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 just, it just shows just, A, how fractured, you know, the, uh, how fractured boxing is because you had the WBA, you know, if, if you're fighting in a WBA fight, you're screwed. If, if you fight in a WBC fight, you're only screwed if the WBC decides you're screwed. <laughs> right. So. Well, it's, uh, I was reading into in your takeaways about just how fractured it all is, like you're saying, and, and um, I wrote a piece uh, around the same time, the 2016, I wrote about uh, hair testing was I polled everybody that had an email uh, as an athletic commission on the ABC website, grabbed all oh, their emails that. and, and that. did a, like a 20 something <laughs> question poll of everybody's anti-doping programs. And like, I think five or six groups got back to me and it was literally a range of, you know, Nevada and California at the top trying to do new things uh, and all the way down to, we've heard about that. We don't have one, but good luck. You know? <laughs> uh, and the silence, you know, the big valley or, of silence or, from everybody else. I think you even got one back that said, uh, we don't have none of that. And never, that was it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess that's, uh, that's the problem with, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not usually a guy who's like, you know, oh, you know, screw the government. The government needs to stay out of my life. Uh, you know. But I mean, sometimes I am. But, but with this, it's like you've got 50 states, all of which have, you know, most of which have commissions. And, yeah, you could literally have 50 different rules on this. I mean, it's, And then it's also just, Indian land as well. Uh, right, you know, the, you know, right. Yeah, which are their own commissions. That's why it was like 76 emails I sent out. Um, so, yeah, and, and then on top of that, you've got the sanctioning bodies who obviously aren't in a line. You know, the WBC, the WBA, IBF, WBO, they all have different policies. They all have right. different policies in, in regards to this. So it's like and, there's, and all there's of them absolutely have like, no consistency. And, and each, each of them have their strengths and weaknesses, but nobody's doing it perfectly. I think WBC is getting close with, with this, but having no liability uh, or no strict liability is a huge problem. So it's it's just not you have to start at WADA code in my opinion and kind of like like Margaret has done with WADA, you know I don't want to test for THC because she she saw the future that weed would start becoming legal particularly in, you know in, in Nevada and in, in California where there are a lot of fights and fighters um, right so she never never tested for it uh, and then you know doing the CIR testing uh, uh, on the front end you know on every sample was big I think now she needs to adopt hair testing, or at least as a confirmatory test uh, within, you know, uh, within her, her, her menu there. But uh, uh, what are some of the other takeaways that you had from this? I mean, is this, is this something possible? That this, this last paragraph of yours, uh, when you said it would be nice if the promoters got together and formed a boxing league and set out a clear and uniform set of anti-doping rules. Well, they tried that. UFC's use of you remember USADA. that, Gabriel? Was it called the PBC? Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. I, the, I don't think the P. I, you know what? You know what's funny is is my my vision of it would more be more like um, I don't know if you know a few years ago there there was the Boxing Promoters Association, right? That's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. And, and the, the whole idea behind that was 
it was basically because Heyman had a, a, an exclusive output deal with HBO. Right. And and the other promoters were pissed off because HBO at that, at that time was the big bank in boxing and, and, you know, no one else had an exclusive deal. So they were kind of like, you know, especially the smaller promoters were kind of like. I was going to say that, know, right. Star Boxing started it, right? If I right, the right, right. The yeah. Guardia. But eventually, Guardia, like, yeah. a, a, a ton of them got involved with it. But that, that you know. The idea is good. You know, I, I think the only way Great anything idea. gets done in, in, in the sport right. is if the promoters get together, like NFL owners and all that, and, and form a league. And, you know, because what, what are the complaints about boxing? It, it, it's always the same. It's kind of like, you know, the best don't yes. fight the best. The ratings <laughs> are horrible. You know, the decisions are awful. There's no uniform drug policy. I mean, there needs to be a central body for boxing. You know, I mean, and, and, and you know, I've, I've, I've been yammering about this for the last, you know, well, pretty much since I've, I've been writing about boxing. But, um, you know, the, the thing that really opened my eyes was, well, A, the Boxing Promoter Association, but also the, the World Boxing Super Series. Like, what a revelation that is. You know, you're just like, wow, the best fighting the best. I mean, at Cruiserweight, it's awesome. And, and the sanctioning bodies, it's like, no one cares. <laughs> you know, like... Like, they could strip these guys of, of all their belts, but you know the two best guys are fighting, right? Um, right. You know, if, 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 if you had, if the promoters got together and formed this league, they could actually get at some of these bigger issues that, that have been killing the sport. Too many champs, you know, the best not fighting the best, drug testing, all this stuff. They, they could make it uniform, and they could also give the fans what they want, which is, you know, the best fighting the best. But, yeah, part of that would be, Obviously, yeah. I mean, that that would be one of the things is, is is to bring some sort of uniformity to the drug testing, like you know the UFC has. And again, like you're saying, I don't know if there ever will be a perfect system. I mean, WADA's not perfect. I mean, you know, the IOC. There's always controversy with that. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've read a ton of things about you know there's there's arguments for and against strict liability. You know, I mean, there's 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 you know there's there's a lot of things to quibble with. But but having one uniform policy would just be nice. You know, it, you wouldn't have these ridiculous results on the same facts, you know, with <laughs> two different yeah. events, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so as I understand, it, I mean, they're probably going to appeal, right? Uh, they're going to oh, appeal definitely. the appeal. Yeah, definitely. so it's, uh, this, this should go on for a while. But, yeah, I, I wonder. It, it's strange. Uh, out of all the major sports, has boxing's business ch- changed the least? I mean, it's it's gone different places from, you know, free TV to pay-per-view and cable. But, I mean, in terms of the way – they do business. Everybody's out for themselves instead of, like you're saying, form a league, figure out a way to, you know, collective bargaining agreement, something, share the wealth, and, like, the sport would rise from that. I think. I agree. Absolutely. I, I mean, just look at the World Boxing Super Series. It's, it's awesome. I mean, people are so excited, you know, about, about you know, and even, even from the, the, the vantage point of television programming. I mean, you get to watch quarterfinals. You know, you get to follow these fighters' stories from the quarterfinals to the semifinals to the finals. You build anticipation, you know. I mean, that's that's what good television is all about. I mean, the other sports have figured it out. That's why they have playoffs, you know, or in tennis. That's why they have big tournaments, you know, because right. it's, it's exciting to watch that. You want to see one winner. You want to see one champion, you know. Um, it's basic drama, too. Like you have right. a beginning, middle, and end. You know, Absolutely. the stakes raise with each, you know, bracket. Oh, my God, this is for even more, even though it's still just a fight. It just, yeah, basic storytelling. Nobody right. wants to do that. Right, right, right. Uh, no, another thing that opened my eyes was, you know, reading a, a Sports Business Journal article where ESPN, the guy from ESPN said, you know, the, 
the thing that, you know, I mean, criticizes, you know, the PBC definitely deserves some criticism just for blowing all that money and, you know, and like, and like having all those TV networks and, and just, you know, kind of pissing a huge opportunity away. But, but the, the guy from ESPN was like, you know, they were interested in doing something with top rank because the PBC showed them that when you had compelling matchups, you know, boxing competed with major sports in ratings, right. you know, um, you know, but when you didn't have compelling fights, people didn't watch, you know? So it, 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 it's like, and he's like, you know, it just kind of brought them back to the realization. It's like any other sport, you know, when you have compelling matchups, people tune in. It's, it's not just this, you know, stepchild, a uh, fringe sport. It's, it's a real you know, sport. Right. It takes two to tangle, you know, good fights equals audience. Right. Right. That's right. It. You so know, I'm just like, it's match. not rocket science, you know, Form, no, you know, no, it's not. Put, have the best fight in the best, you know, form a league, you know, take care of these, you know, put, put really, you know, every, you know, the, the, the people in the know kind of know who the really good judges are, put them in the big fights, you know, let them judge the big fights. Let's not have people who it, you, you can see a mile away or are, are not going to be a particularly good judge on the fight, judging the fights, you know, that would help a lot with the credibility of the sport, you know, uniform drug testing and, Go with, you know, one set of ratings, like take the rings ratings or box rex ratings or, you know, the transnational ratings or do a hybrid like they do in college basketball. I mean, it's, you know, I don't think any of this is, is, is too complicated, but I like the, I like the ring, you know, uh, the, that idea. Um, I kind of trust them and, and uh, I trust Doug uh, more than anything, you know, Doug's awesome. I, yeah, absolutely. yeah, full of integrity. Um, he just fully like just deserving of that that position as editor in chief of the ring. I, I like the sport; just it just feels right, you know. And and uh, yeah, I think we can move in that direction. I mean, because the ratings should matter, and it should be. Um, I don't know. It, you know, you, you just watch. Everybody always insists it's it's not corrupt, but then you watch the way things go, and you're like, it, but it's certainly rigged in somebody's favor, you know. Uh, yeah, but you know what? In, in fairness, though, I mean, watch watch any basketball game and and tell me the home team doesn't get the calls. You know, sure. <laughs> I mean, I've certainly noticed. I mean, as a guy who's managed fighters for twenty years, I mean, when I take my fighters on the road, yeah, you know, the crowd's yelling, and if it if you know, what 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 I thought was a close fight ends up being like a lopsided fight against my guy. You know, I mean, you're not going to get any breaks on the road. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know that if you have subjective judging and officiating if you, if you can ever you know take that element completely out but at the very least i mean yeah you i think you know people know that guys are you know like steve weisfeld and julie letterman are pretty good judges you know and and they're they have a a body of work that's pretty consistent and if there's like a really really important fight that millions and millions and millions of people are watching you might want to have them judging that fight <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know they're going to do it with integrity. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, it, it would be nice if we had, you know, a, a great set of ratings. Make it the rings, you know, do do it a tournament style in every division. You use the ring ring magazine's uh, ratings for for seedings, and uh, you know, just just have it organized like that, you know. And and tell me that the television networks won't come running, you know, for that. Uh, you know, and I mean, you look at the deal that the UFC just did or, or, or is in the process of doing, they're putting their fights on like two different networks for like hundreds of millions of dollars, the budget. And I'm sorry, the UFC is just not as deep talent wise as if you got all the boxing promoters together and, and, and had like the, the, you know, use the rings top 10 and had the best fight the best. 
Sorry, it's just a better product. It just is. Yeah, and just be worth a hell of a lot more money. Yeah. Get Mr. Honda Absolutely involved right. like everybody, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I put a poll out. I put a poll out last week right after the fights uh, about the middleweight division. I had said it's stacked and potentially have great fights put together, but the only thing stopping uh, this were the promoters. And I asked fans to, to you know, kind of weigh in in the poll was, are promoters the ones ducking each other or is it the fighters? And 69%. Fans agreed. It's the promoters that duck each other, making great fights. Absolutely. It's it's business, you know. They're, they're going to mm-hmm. try and, you know, uh, keep their guys out of, out of fights they don't think they can win um, and, you know, keep them making kind of mediocre paydays until they can, you know, do the big cash in. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll keep them away from tough fights. But, you know, my, my, my answer to that would be if, if you had this system, you know, the money will follow. Right. I mean, you know, the networks, if they know they're going to get ratings, they're going to pay for it. You know, I mean, Top Rank's doing a really good job as long as they're putting on good fights. You know, Top yeah. Rank has has represented, you know, on, on, on ESPN. Um, you know, if you actually had, you know, all of the promoters. And to me, it's just such a shame what's happened with the PBC, too, because they've had they they've got the best roster in boxing. I mean, they've got at the very least the deepest roster in boxing. You look at the top tens in every division. They have like, you know, more than twice as many fighters in there as any other major promoter. Um, you know, it's it's a shame that they don't have a network deal, but you know, they unfortunately they have no one to blame but themselves for that. You know, they they uh, right. You know, the, they plan kind of blue, the plan didn't the plan didn't really roll out. Right, the plan didn't really roll out the way they were kind of hoping it was going to roll out. So yeah, one of those. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of I mean, like they, you know, they still have potential of making. I think they still have the potential of doing right. I mean, the announcement of Thurman vacating the WBC, I don't really think it really had entirely was up to keep Thurman and say, hey, I'm going to give this belt up. I think that Al Heyman had a little say about that and said, hey, you know, you're not going to fight. Uh, maybe there's, this, you know, an inside dispute between them at the moment. Uh, and said, hey, you're going to let go of this and we're going to see, we're going to allow some of our, our other fighters fight for it. And like you said a little while ago, people like a buildup. People want some buildup to see finally who's this. So throwing it back out there for the Hungry Wolves that have been waiting might be a great thing. It might be a smart thing for the PBC to do, which they did. You know, and in and, and, and all honesty, too, I mean, much as I love Triple G, I mean, you know, listen, he's trying to make his money. And, you know, he's going to do the Vonis fight and he's going to do the Canelo fight. But you've got, you know, for once, you actually have some really good mandatory sitting out there for guys you really want to see fight for the title. You know, I mean, you know, Jacobs, Charlo, Derevianchenko, those are all great fights. So him, him coughing up the IBF belt, I'm not, I'm not mad about that either because apparently it would mean that Derevianchenko and, and uh, Demetrius Andrade would fight, which is a real good fight. And honestly, those yeah. two need to fight each other, and the winner of that would has more credibility as a challenger for GGG, you know? Oh, absolutely. Charlo and, and, and um, Jacobs. Right. Fight. Gives it, absolutely. Gives that, much more. that would be yeah. that would be lit, that fight. That, that would exactly. be tremendous. That would be tremendous. So, yeah, yeah, <sighs> man. So that's, that's, that's kind of where we are. But, yeah, the, the, the Povetkin decision was, was, you know, you're just like, you got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> <laughs> this this guy's like pops positive. There's no two ways about it. At that point in time, right before the fight, you know that was a violation. 
and and the WBC just hemmed and hawed about it and put the court in a really bad position and I don't know that was just it was just mishandled by WADA it was mishandled by the court it was mishandled by the WBC just a just a mess man boxing just another day another day at the office right absolutely well brother i appreciate you coming on man i thank you for breaking it all down for us it was great um till the next time and also a real quick uh just give up uh uh, where people can find you and uh, as well you do a podcast too so uh you give us a link there for our listeners can jump over to your side and tune in Sure. I'm at a, I write a, a blog that pretty much is, is about the, the legal aspect of the sport. I track a lot of the litigation cases that go on. Um, it's at uh, boxing, E-S-Q, that's all one word, dot com, like box, Boxing Esquire. And my uh, and I have a podcast by the same name, the, the Boxing uh, E-S-Q uh, podcast, the Boxing Esquire podcast, um, which, you know, I got to get, get you guys on there one of these days, man, so we could uh, expand on this a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little afraid of the questions, but uh well I'll answer. <laughs> <laughs> no man, it's all good. It's all good. It's all fun. It's all, all right. family, man. <laughs> all right. Well Kurt, uh thank we'll, you again, man. Really appreciate it, man. Uh and we'll uh, we'll definitely have you back on again some other time. Great, great. All right guys, take care. All right, man. Great, great information about what he brought. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to check out his uh, podcast or even his blog, I mean, you got to go there. A, you know, it's a lot of information, so you got to read it more than once. That's for sure. Um, to get the intake and get the full, uh, you know, the full amount of information he's throwing out there. So um, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, dude. I mean, I read it, and I remember I told you I go, yeah, I read it, but I got to reread it again because it was just so much. And uh, But I'm glad that he broke it down. I'm glad he came on here. And I know some folks are still going to be scratching their head. They're going to be like, that's a lot of language. You know, uh, I'm confused. Um, so, you know, we'll <laughs> definitely talk about it again. But, uh, hey, let's, let's uh, bring in our next guest who's been waiting on, online right now, uh, Jim Boom. Uh, Jim, are you there? Yes, gentlemen. Hey, Jim, how are you, how you doing? doing Jim? Very good, very good. That was a, that was a great uh, call in there. I enjoyed listening to that very much. Yeah, he's uh, you know, Kurt. Kurt uh, I was glad you know, just like clear the lane and let, let him go, you know. Um, and it's just crazy, like how how fractured the sport still is, like how old our sport is, and how how little it's changed. You know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. If you look at back in like the twenties, uh, when uh, Dempsey fought Gene Tunney, and Tunney, you know, famously got the check for just under a million dollars, and he sent it back. To Tex Records um, or Richards, excuse me, uh, with like ten thousand on it, so we'd have a million dollar check. I believe at that time uh, the Yankees murder row, the three salaries of those guys is like forty thousand dollars. So the sport wow. has been so huge for so long, yet, like you just mentioned, it is so fractured between the different promoters and the different belts, and uh, just you know people having you know like the, I guess like the 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 not the me attitude, but uh, always protecting their interest more than that of the overall sport. You know, this this sport's always been about gimme, gimme, gimme to the guys that are behind the scenes. Um, there's really, I wouldn't say they're out of touch with the fans, but they're pretty much, they don't really care what the fans think until it's time to care about it, you know? Definitely. Um, you know, it, it's it's just crazy how things are, it's crazy how 
Because every business relies on return customers. And boxing, for some reason, has been able to get, you know, get fallen between the cracks when it comes to that type of business sense. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a way of looking at it. And, you know, you have a lot of hardcore fans. But, you know, bringing in the, the casual fan, you really got to have, a, you know, a major, major fight. Otherwise, they kind of have this, you know, laissez-faire attitude about it. And, you know, with better fights, I think that attitude it becomes, well, especially now, for example, the top-ranked deal, where you can see good fights when you're sitting at the bar and everything else. You know, I think it will get that casual fan base, you know, you know more interested, you know. And, and, and I think that's actually something that is happening right now. Let me let me ask you this, Jim, because just yesterday we saw on Instagram the American heavyweight WBC, WBC titleist, uh, Deontay Wilder, throws out the fifty million bag to to Joshua and his and his and his promoter. I mean, he's obviously trying to make the fight happen himself here in America. Is that realistic? I mean, could that really happen here in the states right now, or is it better to wait another year? I mean, I would like to see him fight sooner than later. I think that's been part of the problem with the sport is you just keep, you know, having these big, uh, big matchups marinate. Now, I don't believe it was a serious offer. I think it was more just a posturing, but I think it was, I think it was a great move. I mean, one great that's, just, that's, just, that's bread and butter promoting right there, and it's getting people talking about it, and you know, it, it makes the match room have to respond. So it, it certainly was just more posturing than an actual contract or anything else, but. Listen, I think the fight in Las Vegas would do very, very big business, obviously. And I think the American public is ready to see a big blockbuster heavyweight matchup. Uh, you, know, on this, you know, the last one obviously was in England with Klitschko and Joshua. But I think we're, we're certainly ready for it here in America. I mean, I, if I look at it this way, I mean, it, either it was posturing or whatever, it did its job. It ended up on Absolutely. the front page of ESPN, right? Absolutely. It also kind of, it also showed that, you know, as much criticism as, as fans and even other journalists want to give PVC, hey, Dante Wilder decided to take the first step and say, hey, I'm going to promote this fight. I'm going to push it so I'm relevant. And he's done it numerous times. I mean, the guy kind of knows how to get himself out there uh, on the news, and he knows how to generate a conversation about his name. I think you're seeing a lot of with, you know, you're kind of seeing the same thing with the Charlo, the, the, the twins, how suddenly right. every time you look, they're like, they're, they're out there, they're doing more and more stuff. And listen, that's up to the athletes, you know, to self-promote. You got to do that. You're not part of a franchise. You're part. You're an, it's an individual sport, excuse me. And I think I think it's great. And as far as Wilder, he's got a great personality. You know, for the casual fan to have an opportunity to see the fight, and when they see his record and they see that knockout percentage, that's going to get people extremely excited. And on the other side with Joshua, it's the same thing. So I think the fight would do very good. And and you know, back to why the sport is fractured. A big part of the sport being fractured is the inability to make the fights now, always wanting to have it marinate, always being like, well, wait another year, it's worth more money. Certainly in some cases that makes sense, but in this case, listen, it's a unification of the heavyweight title to knockout artists. It's going to do big business this year. We do not have to wait to 2019, especially with both guys being susceptible to losing. I mean, both guys have shown that they can certainly, uh, you know, neither guy has lost, but I could see either guy getting upset at any time. Oh, yeah. Both guys have kind of showed they can get their lights uh, any time with the right punch, can get lights out on them, you know. And, and here's the thing, too, with the PBC guys like Charlo and them. Um, I think they finally realized there is no real publicist in the PBC world. Uh, there's nobody there to push it. 
you know. And I've always said this, even when the PBC was being formed and the, and the fights were being thrown out there, money finally runs out, not meaning that the checks are not going to come in. But eventually fighters were going to start, you know, because in, in the beginning it was great. Every, every fighter and, and, and trainer and management that I spoke to that was involved with Al Heyman, they always mentioned the money first. Oh, man, we know this most we're getting paid. But I always said that would eventually run out, out of their heads, that eventually it's going to come down to legacy because yep. every fighter wants to be remembered. You can get paid a shitload of money, but you want to be remembered as one of the greats at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and getting paid that extra money is relative when you look at three or four years and a guy in four years has fought three times. So you made more per fight, but overall – you're not getting enough work, which hurts your career. It hurts your it hurts your legacy, obviously, and ultimately it hurts you as developing as an athlete. So, right. Oh yeah, big time. Well, let's talk it's about kind of crazy, a little bit though, about. The, well, just thinking Go of the old time fighters and and some of the inactivity that they would have going two or three years without defending the title. Um, you know, we kind of have it good these days, at least for two times a year. But uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's start rolling down the the gates here. Um, How's this Barclays Center, uh, Daniel Jacobs, uh, Selecki fight doing? It, it, it's definitely struggling. You know, it, it certainly hasn't helped them, you know, coming on the heels of last week, which was a huge, huge ticket, you know, with all yeah. the controversy with, with Broner. And I don't know if that was set up with the rapper, but if it was, it was absolutely brilliant because right about the time they started throwing the money around for the bet, that thing just took off, absolutely took off. You know, that once again, that's <laughs> like something that got the casual fans interested in it. And, you know, I love Showtime's format as far as a triple header. And you get that advertising behind it, and, you know, for the public, you're going to see three big-time fights. Granted, two were not competitive. But um, so this week, coming on the heels of, of that, it, it's definitely, you know, Matchroom's learning their lesson that it's, uh, you know, it's not the easiest sledding here. You know, Daniel Jacobs is a great fighter, but he's, you know, kind of a quiet guy. He's not really you know, the self-promotion type person that, um, the Charlo or, uh, or Broner is. And, um, and Miller is a good fight too, but it's just, it's tough going back to back in the same venue. And, and that doesn't matter, you know, always, that's just, uh, just the way it is. So. Yeah. So location, location, location isn't necessarily just about, uh, the place, but also the time. And it just, remember we were talked about this before on TNR that this looked like a, a train wreck a little bit. Uh, it, particularly for people's pockets. I mean, boxing fans yeah. Yeah, aren't the richest people in the world. Some of them, you know, might exactly. be, but uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, the, 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 we're, we're not. And yeah, you can't hit them like this. Although I think it's a, or you know, time. I don't know. Or, or time too, Gabriel. I mean, if you're going to go to one event, which the, the interest of Bronan and Vargas, which, you know, uh, if that's what people spent their money on in the beginning of the month, to try to make it again, even if you live it, if you live there in Brooklyn, it's still very hard. You know, uh, some folks can't get that time off to go to another live event. Yeah, and that's either with the wife or the employer. So, or, <laughs> it's, you right. know, it, it, it is tough going back to back, and that doesn't matter what the card is. So, I think they're going to have a decent crowd in there. I mean, at least they're smart enough not to try to sell the upper level. So it is just that lower bowl. So it doesn't. You don't have to have a ton of fans in there, and, and they can still feel nice and you know nice and cozy. It's going to be a good crowd. So it, it's not going to be a, a total disaster um, like their first show was at Nassau. That was just that one was pretty ugly as far as just completely empty. So this will be much better performer than the last one, and hopefully both uh, Miller and um, Jacobs can win and uh, keep moving forward as far as what they're trying to build here. 
uh, did you get in on the uh, the Jesse Magdaleno Isaac Dogbo uh, fight at all? Because I, I, I didn't. I call. I I called on it, but Peltz was running it, and I don't really have a relationship uh, with that company too much. And I'm so busy hmm. with other stuff. I think they're doing pretty good. I know they're certainly going up, you know, head to head with the Sixers and uh, the NBA playoffs. So that that is definitely hurting the promotion. But I'm hearing they're going to get you know four to five thousand people in there. And it's going to be – I can't wait to watch the card. It's going to be very, very fun. Uh, that's a great fight. So. Yeah, I just like the whole card. Uh, I kind of yep. like the, the, the Jesse Hart fight. Um, yeah, the whole thing. Um, and, you know, in El Paso, they're going back to, you know, the Don Haskins Convention Center, Josecito Lopez, Miguel Cruz. Uh, I've always wanted to know who was better between them. Uh, Anthony Durrell and uh, A.B. Hahn and Erickson Lubin versus Oscar Cortez. Um, did you, do you have any, any intel on that? They're selling seats. I mean, once again, you can buy them direct. Or not. It's not sold out, but you know what? El Paso is a great fight town, and mm. I think that's one of those cities that, you know, there's a reason why um, the PBC has continued to go back down there, and it's because there's a lot of ticket buyers. There's a lot of boxing fans, and it, it's something that works down there. It's not going to be a sold out by any means, but it's definitely going to be a solid crowd in there. Now. Um, there's a fight. You know, I don't know if you heard about Canelo and the hair test uh, results. Uh, it came back negative, but uh, in its place is a fight that uh, I don't think anybody really imagined they'd, they'd ever see. Uh, Gennady Golovkin versus Vanas Martirosian uh, at the Step Up <laughs> Center in Carson, California. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fight, and, and how's it doing? Well, as, as far as my thoughts on the fight, I mean, it was just they were trying to salvage the date. You know, it would have been nice between Bob Bennett and, and, and Golden Boy that there would have been more action after the March 5th announcement of the, uh, of the positive test. You know, we had a month there where really nothing was done. They kept the tickets on sale uh, at, uh, at T-Mobile, which was actually, that was a poor, poor decision on their uh, part for the simple fact that the shit talking between Gennady and Canelo, since the first time they were so respectful, it actually heated it up and everybody started, you know, be like, like, draw a lot of attention to the fight and ticket sales really picked up after that. So huh. if they would have, wow. you know, possibly, how about possibly they could have said, listen, due to the fact that it's consistent with meat contamination, uh, Canelo has volunteered to do a hair test pending that, you know, I think they could have saved the date. And, it, and if they couldn't save the date because of the strict liability, they should have at least given uh, uh, Tom Loeffler a little bit more time to build a card. And then, obviously, with the fallout of the commission not approving the one fighter, Spike O'Sullivan deciding he didn't want to take the fight, you know, Matrosian made sense because he's from Los Angeles. And, you know, he's been in a lot of world-class fights. I remember seeing him fight um, uh, Demetrius Andrade back in, um, uh, you know, Corpus Christi. I've seen him fight uh, Lara. I mean, he's, he's a good fighter. You know, it's just he's been kind of in a, a rut in his career as far as fights falling out. So, it's certainly not ideal, but I know they wanted to keep the date, and they had commitments with their sponsors, commitments with HBO, and listen, they got the fight done. As far as ticketing, they've sold a lot of seats. I mean, they got a long way to go, but listen, it's a short promotion. The fact of the matter is, right off the bat, when you first go on sale, you're going to sell a lot of seats. You're going to have a little bit of a lag, like every fight does, and then you know the last week of the fight is when you're going to sell a good chunk, you know, a majority of the stuff. So it's not like people have to travel to Los Angeles. L.A.'s got so many great fight fans there already. People, you know, just love going to the StubHub Center. It's nice that Golden Boy has got that card, you know, the Friday beforehand. So 
ultimately I think it's going to do good. Is it going to sell out? You know, they got a long way to go, but it will set the record as far as, you know, the biggest gate ever at StubHub Center just because of the prices. So, you know, it's kind of you just you're, it's a scramble, and they got it done. So hopefully it uh, hopefully it works out. Uh, I just had two more actually. I was curious about you know the the fight everybody's really excited about. I I really don't I, you know I, I wonder how it's going to go. Um, uh, Lomachenko versus Linares at the at the Garden. Um, how's that fight selling? And and uh, it, I also was selling, curious about it, uh, Russell and jo- Joseph Diaz Jr. Well, it's as far as the Lomachenko Linares fight. I thought that would be absolutely off the charts, and I've been I've been very wrong on that. The fight is sold is sold good. But not nearly, you know, the level we've seen the last couple of Lomachenko fights on the East Coast. You know, when he fought uh, Rigando at, at the theater, and certainly the theater is smaller than the big room. Keep in mind that um, they they're only doing the lower level at the big room. Um, it, it's just, but there was it, so it, much but, trash talking between them two, though. I th- I thought that's what really sold. Maybe maybe that that's fight. what grew it, but yeah. that was that was one of the bigger fights I've worked in a long time, where hmm. everything I could get my hands on as far as good seats. I mean, it just you just right out. You just keep raising prices. You can't raise the prices fast enough. The demand was absolutely unreal for the wow. high-end seats. This fight is not performed the same. I mean, it is a bigger room, and there's also, you know, in New York around in, in December, the amount of money that flows out of that city with the bonuses and Wall Street. I mean, it is it is mind-numbing, and maybe that was part of it. So the fight's done good. They've sold probably 80% of the lower bowl. And we still got huh. two and a half weeks to go, so I mean it's going to be completely packed in there. But as far as just that lights out event that I really thought it was going to be, it's not quite there. Um, as far as the Gary Russell fight with JoJo Diaz, I've had a couple calls on that. You know that D.C. area, Maryland, is a great, great. You know the history of all the great fighters from the area. A lot of good fight fans. That's a great room. So I think it's going to do pretty good. Um, I'm actually really excited about that fight. I think that's a great uh, matchup for. Uh, uh, for for JoJo, so I mean that really puts him in the spotlight, and you know he's stepping over. He's going to the other side. It's, it's not it's not an HBO fight, so I kind of like yeah. that move uh, by Golden Boy. So as far as people working together, you know Golden Boy's now got obviously their HBO deal. They got Linares fighting on ESPN. They got uh, Madonna fighting or uh, Madonna. Um, who's fighting Pacquiao? Um, uh, oh, um, Matisse. Oh, yeah, um, Matisse. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, he's yeah. fighting ESPN. And now Diaz is fighting on Showtime, so you know they're definitely spreading the talent around. So I think it's gonna, I think that's going to do good just because that uh, a it's a beautiful room there, it's a beautiful casino, it's not too big, and um, I, I think the DC fight fans are ready to see a, a big fight, and that's definitely one. You know, you got to fight. No, go, go ahead, ahead, Gabe. I'm sorry. I was just saying real quick. Uh, I imagine you're staying away from Stevenson Jack uh, until it moves to its third location, and then yeah. buy in. <laughs> <laughs> It is. I don't know what's going on up there. It's just bizarre. I mean, they announced it so long ago, and then it was, you know, then nothing. Then no, it's done for sure. And then it's a different city. And then so, it's there's definitely some issue with that. I think that fight would do extremely well. A lot of good Canadian fight fans. And and listen, for whatever you want to say about Adonis, the guy's very. I mean, he's an exciting fighter to watch. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. that's a very that's a very good fight. 
He is. Yeah, I can't uh, but I, uh, this is what I heard. I heard that they're going to send out the tickets, and tickets is going to have a destination where you go, and then there's going to be shuttles showing up <laughs> to pick you up, and then you go to whatever <laughs> arena they're going to show up. That's how it's going to come out. To turn, you know. <laughs> and everybody has to wear uh, masks like Deontay <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the way it was, the way the raves, you know, started in the 90s, you know, and they didn't give yeah, you the exact location. location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that will work. They could start. Get, they could, that sounds more like a fight club, but you know, hey, whatever, whatever it takes. Listen, you got to be right. creative with uh, with, with uh, promotion, and you know, we like I said, we saw that last week with the three hundred thousand dollar bet with the rapper. I mean, that was, you know, criticize hey. whatever you want to say. It worked. I mean, that definitely it got worked. people talking about the fight. Social media went crazy with it, and ultimately, people went to the window and they bought a ticket. So, so it, it was it was it was good. It was you know, good publicity. Absolutely. Is there a hot ticket? Is there a hot ticket you're looking at that we didn't talk about? Um, not really I have a right now. I to be on, about. Well, to be honest with you, everything's a little bit stagnant. I mean, we, it was so busy in uh, the last year, and there's a lot of good fights. But you know, the, the Crawford fight in Vegas has been decent, but not lights out like is when he fought Postal here. Hmm. Um, like I said, I really thought the Lenaris Lomachenko was going to be off the charts, and it's good, but it's not not the level I thought. How are the tickets moving for the May 4th fight with Ryan uh, King Garcia? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I know they're, they're selling some seats for it. It's going to be it's going to be a packed house in there. Listen, uh, Golden Boy did a great job as far as pricing it. They got a, it's like a twelve dollar ticket, and I just think that's you know it's not a bad idea to do that, especially with the, the potential that's kid showing and his popularity. Plus, it's going to you know give you know Southern California fans a chance to see Spike Lee. Uh, Spike, uh, Spike O'Sullivan, excuse me. So it's. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do good overall. And you know, people don't understand sometimes the ticketing, the amount of money that's brought in, and the amount of business that's done in the last you know 48 hours. That's a huge part of the overall gate. So the idea that you throw the towel in now because it's a little bit of slow. Well, it's not slow because not because people aren't gonna go because they're not buying. They're buying their time. They're getting their paychecks in. They're solidifying their plans 100%. They want to make sure before they buy the ticket that they're not going to have a conflict with work or whatever. So, you know, both both shows next week, uh, the fourth and the fifth, at StubHub will definitely, definitely heat up. There you go. Jim Boone, the man. Yeah, uh, can you uh, send out all your all your stuff, all your uh, your links where we can track you down? There, yeah, Jim? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, on Twitter, it's at uh, KO Tickets. And if you uh, go on that, I got the website, which I don't do. Just to be honest with you, I don't do too much of the website. I'm more of a phone guy, old school. So hmm. give me a call, send me send me a text, whatever. We can talk. And I'm gonna have great deals for both fights. I did get some seats for the Triple G fight from one of the sponsors. So I have the $200 seats. I'm selling at 150 right now. I put that up on Twitter the other day. So if you want to save some money and uh, listen, they're just the lower level seats. They're not they're not the center ones. The good ones. But you can save fifty bucks off the price of them. It's not a bad deal to see, you know, to see a fighter of his uh, is his caliber, and hopefully he looks good. And I think Matrosian is going to fight him. And then I really think the promotion now, especially with the Canelo news, you know, for uh, September fifteenth is just going to be that's going to be quite a show. I think that's going to be really, really strong. That's interesting. Do you, what do you think about that fight? Who do you think uh, wins <laughs> between the rematch? No, uh, the Martyrosian. Oh, are you saying with Matro- I, I think I think I think Martyrosian seems. I think it's a good fight before he gets stopped. I think Triple G stops him, but I think listen, Bonus is a great. He's a great fighter. 
I mean, Tough he's kid. one of those guys that he, he's only, only lost. I mean, his three losses are against the very best. And his lack of, you know, fighting lately is because guys have fallen out. He's, had, he's been in training camps and fights have fallen out. So I think he's hungry. I think he goes in there. And, you know, listen, the weight issue is one thing, but going from 54 to 60, it, it's a little overdone. I think the media was a little bit harsh on the, on the whole situation based on how much time was left to try to salvage the date. So I think I think it's an exciting fight. I think it's a good fight. I think I think Golovkin gets a knockout, which will be uh, will be the first. Uh, you know, he's gone two fights in a row going the distance. So I'd like to see him. Uh, I'd like to see him knock him out. And he'll be able to say, you know, he's the first guy to knock out Von Esmerterosian. Yeah, and he's got his 20th uh, defense of the middleweight title. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's going to be an action fight. I mean, Vonis is a pure fighter, a pure warrior. A guy, you know, he always gives an honest effort. I think if there's a knock on him, it's that he hasn't pushed through to the ceiling because you can point to his close losses against good guys, but it's like, what's his best win? That's that's true. He's yep, a solid yep, fighter, no. you know? The, you uh, know? Like uh, I've said before, there's no special effects about Matarosian at all. You're going to, whatever he delivers that that day – on that first round is what you're going to get. But it's going to be an honest no effort. Secret. Yeah, yeah, there's no secret to him at all. But uh, it's good stuff, Jim. It's good to, good to talk again, and uh, let's, let's do it again sometime. No, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed doing these shows. It's a lot of fun. So it gives me something yeah, to man. focus on in the daytime. And um, <laughs> it's, uh, listen, you know, as far as the last show, I've gotten, uh, I've gotten so many calls off it saying, you know, people saying, listen, we listen to the show. Can we get tickets? You know, when I get calls for tickets, when it's boxing or, like, Super Bowl, I love talking to the people. I love talking to the fans. And I've gotten so many good clients out of it, so I really appreciate it. No, one of my we good appreciate buddies, you. Uh, yep. John, John Novoselic, um, I think, reached out to you. Um, and he's, like, you know, my, one of my old writing partners, like, from, from way back. He used to do my undercards. And, yeah, he, he loves you. He loves your service. And so uh, it's good, man. I'm, I'm glad we can uh, help connect you with boxing fans. No, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because there's always, you know, you got the hardcore fans that want to go and – Listen, I'm, I'm, people, buying tickets shouldn't be a pain in the ass, and these, you know, they, they've made it so complicated a lot of times that it's just, just give me a call, you know, the number's on Twitter, and um, it's as simple as that. I'll, I'll lead you in the right direction. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, we, we get, yeah, we get so many emails, too. I, I just direct people. I'm not like you, Jim. I don't like being on the phone, so I just kind of just send back a simple text saying, uh, your, you know, KO tickets, uh, but. Yeah, I've, the last time um, there was a few people from I believe from Colorado that were flying down for the last event. So yep, thank no, you. I, 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 I truly appreciate it. Thank you very much, gentlemen. All right, man. Peace. All righty. Take care. Bye bye. Boom. Well, we got some stuff to talk about here on leaving the ring. Um, we're gonna open up the phone lines right now here in just a minute. Three, uh, what's the you know, number? Is three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Wow, man, we are really. I feel rusty. Really rusty. Last week's show, I didn't feel that, that rust, but this ring rust is really kicking in for me. I don't know about you. Actually, you sound like you're just flowing along here, Gabriel. You know? Well, you know. I feel like I, that I guess small I kid just sitting in the background, just kind of listening and trying to find my pockets where I can jump in. That jump rope, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, you know, trying to figure out our dance. I, I, like I said, I had a lot of caffeine. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in shape right now, man. I'm doing shows. I'm, I'm, uh, I did that youth thing this, this last week and, and – auditions and everything so maybe i'm just in my flow i don't know but uh oh man some some people dropped off i was gonna i recognize that prefix and they they done jumped off but uh do you want to hit the hit a caller here this 805 let's go for it 
you're live on uh, Leave It in the Ring. 805. He's multitasking. That's a trooper right there, brother. <laughs> That's a straight trooper right there. That's Watching hilarious. Another sport where he's listening to his favorite, favorite sport here on Leave yeah, It in the Ring. It's interesting seeing people, how they're reacting to, to my tweet about Canelo. You know, you get some dudes that are just like flat out rude. Uh, actually, I just was called effing gay, which is, uh, you know, cause for a block. Huh, um, huh that's interesting. He's from Greece. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you caught that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, but, you know, and somebody, you know, Eric uh, GD01 asked, you know, why is Canelo not Vada enrolled? And that's, you know, Mauricio Suleiman told me a few days ago on Twitter that, that uh, it wasn't exactly the same answer that, you know, because he was doing testing before he technically is in Vada. He was saying that it, it, he seemed to intimate that it was forthcoming, that he would be getting in the clean boxing program. So let's we'll right. stay on that story and, and see that Canelo does. But I, I imagine if he took this step, that he's going to take more steps, you know? And like I said before, it's just uh, not to sound like Floyd, but it it does show how it it just changes the perspective when you see that he tested negative and it's a test that would look back months. Everybody that's saying he was roiding up and got caught at the end of his cycle. That whole theory just got blown, blown up. We can just put that next to the flat earthers. Um, So, you know, well, you know, the thing is that everybody jumped down his neck and responding back to emails and talking to actually even folks that I that I know that watch the sport as well and listen to the Leaving Ring Network. Um, a lot of folks were like, "Why is this guy? Why is this kid staying so silent?" And my answer to that was to to show that there's a process. There's a due process to this. Okay, uh, the internet world wants everything immediately. We want it now. We want answers right now, this right second. The way Golden Boy and Canelo kind of handled this situation, they didn't drag it out. What they did was made sure their ducats were in a row. They wanted to make sure all their T's were crossed, all their I's were dotted. And that was the right way of doing it because they weren't going to trip over their, their own words. And keeping the silence sometimes says a lot. It can make people kind of, you know, run, run with the ball and start believing something else or also can make people believe like, hey, they were actually trying to figure things out themselves. There's a strong possibility that they could have been scratching their own heads too, right, Gabriel? I mean, they could have been scratching like, how did this happen? How did this happen? And they didn't, ha- didn't have an answer. So rather than giving some bullshit answer, they actually held back and said, let's figure this out. Let's see what happened here. What, how, did this meet, how did we get contaminated meat in, in my system? And it's, you know, what's interesting is that he had levels that were consistent with contamination. So he ate. He pissed it out twice, I guess. Maybe he was eating in the same spot. I don't know. You know, uh, Somebody was asking me, you know, why wasn't it in the hair if there's levels in the urine? And, I, you know, a smarter man than me would be able to answer that question. I, and I, and I want to, you know, I'm like speed reading while I'm doing radio. I, I, I want to sit down and read everything uh, and get all the fine points of it before I really comment. But um, as right. I understand it, hair testing is a qualitative test. You're either pregnant or you're not. So 
perhaps that's why, you know, uh, he didn't have, you know, levels enough in his system that it stayed in his hair. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a scientist and I, I've been given shit many times over the years for supposedly claiming to be one. So I'm not going to play it here, but uh, it came back negative. People have to eat the crow. You know, yeah, you got to accept it. Uh, yeah. Which is so hard though. That's so hard on, on, especially on Twitter, even on Facebook for people to admit, Hey, I was wrong. I was wrong. It's that simple. Let I me learn. Hauser's piece on, on the Canelo testing. I think you mentioned it was out. You know, yeah. I wonder how uh, now I have to read it and see if what his take was. He's not usually one to, well, I don't know. He does take some shots or, but he usually, he doesn't take, uh, like he remember when he tested, uh, uh, asked Oscar to, uh, about possibly hidden tests kind of taunted him with that without any sort of, you know, uh, like evidence that we knew about to back it up. You know, he, he'll do stuff like that, but he won't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll have to read the piece, but I'm very curious to see what his take is. Let's take uh, the 209 caller before we move on to our topics. We have some topics we're going to talk about. Obviously, you know, Dante Wilder, the 50 million offer, um, the Broner Vargas uh, draw decision. Mm. Uh, talk about Charlo in the middleweights here. And, uh, and then we'll talk about the, we'll preview this uh, weekend's fights. Uh, so, area code 209, you're on live right now, leaving the ring. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Good. How you Hello. Doing? Pretty good. Hey, uh, I'm I'm tuning in a bit late. I was watching the draft, so so if I go over a subject that's already been talked about, sorry about that. Um, I I have a question to ask. This is regarding your guys' show last week, and and I think I read it on an article. Uh, how they mentioned about uh, Triple G's lawyers were the one that asked the Nevada State Athletic Commission to suspend Canelo. Uh, so I, I don't know too much about the business of boxing. You know, I'm I'm just a fan. I just sit down, drink, you know, enjoy the fights. So so I have to ask, why would a person's team do that if their fighter and everybody on that team is going to risk losing a shitload of money? I mean, to me, it's a lot of money. I mean, I ain't never going to make that, you know, in, in my entire life. And these guys have a chance to make it in one night. I mean, but why would they stop? I mean, if it was like, you know, I've I read on Twitter, if it was like uh, uh, another commission, like California, Texas, New York, there's a possibility that the fight will continue. But in this case, I mean, why would their own team ask the commission to suspend their, you know, the other guy's fighter, and which most likely is going to cancel the fight? Is it because to show Canelo that he can't get away with it? Or is it because, you know, maybe it's a power move that they want to take over the Cinco de Mile and maybe beat them on September September the uh, September 16th weekend and start taking over all the mixing dates? I mean, you know, as a fan, you know, I, I just don't get it. It just it just seems like a lot of money to give up. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. Oh, go ahead, I mean, the only ones that really know why they did it, obviously, it's going to be them. You know, they they fell onto the strict uh, liability. That's what they press for. You read on one article, uh, Tom Lawfer and the integrity of the sport. So there's things thrown out there. Um, they also understood, uh, uh, like when um, Jim was just on, the tickets weren't really moving until both men started trading shots at each other when the announcement was that, you know, what Canelo's tested for. So 
they might have just jumped the gun and said, okay, this is a dead deal now, you know, and um, rather well, than they, stalling. Go ahead, Gabriel. They didn't let the process play out. Yeah, you're just, yeah. You're just right with me. Yeah. Yeah, they, rather than letting it drag out and see what happens, and they they end up kind of shelving their own fighter, keeping them at bay. And and I've said this on last week's show too, was that the one thing that because some folks were like, well, you know, Triple G, you know, let him wait, let let him, you know, fight his mandatory, and they didn't want to budge. They wanted to make sure that he fought on May fifth because that's what their fighter wanted. And I kind of agreed with it because sometimes when you when you have a fighter that's been in training camp and his juices are all up and he's ready to go, when you when you drag it out another week or two or a month, the the motivation it it becomes a, a kill buzz. He may not be the same guy. And right now he's got all this trust from him. He's pissed off. He's ready to go. And who's better to put in front of him is a guy that's willing to step in the ring with him. That's Monterosian. So I go back again. The lawyer doing that strict liability. Hey, they didn't want to follow the, the due process. They jumped the gun and they said, let's just, you know, put a hold on that and it's hope for September. And now seeing the results from Canelo, guess what? They were kind of on the money about it and it played out with a good gamble for them as well. Okay. Uh, you, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan. I'm a Canelo fan. And, you know, uh, this positive test, you know, I – that's something beyond my control. Uh, uh, to me, Cinco de Mayo doesn't seem the same no more. You know, I was really right. looking forward to seeing Triple G and Canelo. Now, I mean, just Triple G. You know, you know, I, I ain't gonna lie. I, I'm gonna enjoy the fight. I, I, I really am. I'm gonna watch you, it. You know what's um, crazy it is is you know I'm a blue collar guy, and uh-huh. working working at my lots, and and the only time we really hear like I, I hear Rasa you know, uh, you know, uh, Mexican fans talk about a fight is like Cinco de Mayo is the big thing. September is a big thing for them. And I'm out there and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the compadres out there are like, dude, so who's Triple G going to fight? Canelo's and I was in Moderation. And every one of them were like, who? Like, who? oh, <laughs> man. Like, you know, who's that? And, and I had to kind of explain it to them. Like, well, this is the deal. But they were just so like they were like we were gonna barbecue, we we're gonna do this, and now, see, man, son of a gun, and that, I, that's I, yeah, you know, I I was with I, them I, on I, that. I agree, and you know, I hate to say this, man, but by by them postponing the fight, I mean, saved me a lot of money. Saved me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Uh, but, you know, I, I am going to watch the fight. I mean, I don't even have HBO, but I'm probably going to watch the fight. And, and you know, I mean, it is what it is. That's the way I look at it. It is what it is. I'm going to enjoy the fight. Um, you, know, I'm gonna, you know, I hope it's a good fight. And, and I hope that guy gives Triple G a run for his money. You know, it, it basically is what it is. You know, um, like I like I said last week, and I've told numerous people. I mean, Gabriel, I've talked to Gabriel about it. Um, a few other folks off the air about it. Monterosian is a solid guy. Now, the layoff is obviously going to be very evident the night uh, of May fifth. Um, I expect the guy to to win early some early rounds from Triple G, and then when, uh, once you know Triple G starts rolling, that's where we're going to find out. If Monterosian is just too small for the 160 division, the pitcher 
I know some folks were like, ah, oh, you know, those are pictures maybe jumping the gun. You know what? With my own eyes, with my own eyes, I looked at Madarosa and I'm like, God, he looks really thin and really small. He looks like 154 to me, you know. <laughs> um, but layoff sometimes can be a great benefit. You preserve yourself. Uh, he's never been truly, truly like beaten up. He's a good, good, solid fighter. He's been in there with some of the best fighters out there, as pointed out by Jim Boone. But this is going to be the best 160-pounder who is a volume puncher with some very hard shots. I, I'm not truly in the in the cheerleading section with the rest of the folks where, like, as soon as Triple G lands one big shot, it's going to be all over because that theory has been kind of already, you know, thrown out the out the window. Uh, that was supposed to happen when they had Jacob stepped in there with them. It was supposed to happen with, with Lemieux. It was supposed to happen so-and-so. It, it just shows you that Triple G is not this monstrous puncher. He's this monstrous volume guy, you know. He can land a lot of shots. Yeah. He's very precise. And that's going to be telling for Madarosian because Madarosian face sometimes doesn't really hold up. You know, he's been in some wars himself, you know. Uh, but like I said, mm-hmm. he hasn't just been truly beat up, beat up. Well, well, no. well you know, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm going to watch it. Um, We're all going to watch it, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, We're all going to watch it, you know. Yeah, some of us are long, but we'll all watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna DV. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna DVR it. You know, the only fight that I that I didn't DVR, which I was planning to, is when I went to LA this past weekend to that America's Got Talent crap. Um, they were telling us, "Hey, put your phones away." And I'm sitting there with my <laughs> watching the fight. And I was like, "Hell no! I'm watching this fight. This is the fight I want to see." You know what I'm saying? You know, I showed my true colors. I, I, I think I'm proud. Yeah. I can sit, sit there and proudly say I am a hardcore boxing fan. But with this one here, hey, I'm gonna probably DVR it. Hey, uh, I want to ask you. So, what do you guys think of that uh, ESPN Plus app or that ESPN Plus? Well, I got it, and 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 you know what? Thank you, Amir Khan, for not even a minute. I didn't even get to enjoy this fucking ESPN Plus thing for a minute, man. You know what I mean? I'm sitting on a bus, bro. I'm sitting on a bus, and and they're they're uh-huh. stalling to take us to wherever they were gonna take us. The studio, right? I'm kicking back, and I'm there, and my wife's next to me, and I told her, you know what? I'm gonna download that app. Screw it. I'm gonna download the app, and I'm gonna watch the fight. Download it, and then Amir's coming out. I'm like, all right, here we go. Uh, I'm in it. I'm ready. And boom, it's over. And I'm like, this gecko dude, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> so, I couldn't give you an honest answer yet. Give me, give me tell when Horn and Pacquiao fight. Then I'll get, give you an honest answer next time. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gabe. No, I, 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 like Dave, I got to watch a few more fights. But, I, you know, it's probably years of, of being a deadline boxing writer where you got to get it in like an hour after the last bell. I love quick knockouts. You know, it's, it's, it's short. You write it up fast and you send it off. So, you know, and like, I was like, Dave, I was traveling, you know, going to, uh, my wife sings in a, in a group. And so I was going to go see them and it was at a church. And then there I am with my phone, like, you know, uh, just checking it out, seeing all the fights. I love the mobile apps, man. I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, HBO needs to get their act together because they're, they're getting their teeth kicked in by, uh, you know, Showtime and ESPN. Yep. Yeah, they are. I mean, in today's world, you got to keep up the Joneses. I mean, I I just don't understand why they don't offer it. I mean, ESPN right now, I mean, my God, they're, I mean, that that ESPN three app. Oh shit. I love it. I could watch everything. (laughs) I can literally watch everything from the minute the fighter leaves his house to the very end. I mean, I mean, I don't understand. (laughs) The only one, 
The only ones huh? that are not the only ones that are not loving it is HBO at the moment, right? And our old ladies. They're not loving it. Sorry. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife keeps telling me, put the phone away. You know, put the yeah. phone away. We're on vacation, put the phone away. <laughs> yeah, you, you you got a good point, man. I watch so much boxing now it's because of ESPN, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my ladies are not liking it. <laughs> I, it's kind of funny. Well, well, I turned it, turned into my dad with the you know the transistor radio in the pocket and the Rams game you know in his earbud at the at church you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep yeah, up with you know do I stand or I sit do I kneel yeah. touchdown do I kneel jump up yay <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen I'll let you go thank you very much man and and I look forward to uh, listening to you guys show next week. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in, man. Much, much appreciated. If you want to call in, you certainly can. 347-215-7598 here on Leaving the Ring. Um, shaking off that rust. $50 million was offered to Anthony Joshua on, Insta- on Deontay Wilder's Instagram. Um, great tactic. Great way of getting himself out there. As much as, as, as much as you want to hate him, as much as fans want to hate Wilder, as much as fans want to hate Wilder because, one, he's a big dude. He doesn't box very well. As, as I've said it, he looks like he's the Bambi of the heavyweights. As much as you want to hate him because he says sometimes some things that are very controversial, saying, I want a dead guy on my, on my record, on my hands. As much as you want to hate him because he's with PBC, you got to love the fact that the guy is pushing himself to be considered one of the greats and how do you do that by fighting the best that are out there and that are available to you so 50 million whether it's a whether it's just uh you know hey notice me look over here woohoo i don't really have it but put all eyes on me was a great way of doing it because that's exactly what he's been doing, Gabriel, is putting himself on the map. Americans haven't took notice. Americans actually didn't, you know, I would say six months ago, didn't even know they had an American heavyweight in their own backyard. The guy ended up, has ended up on TMZ. Now people are taking notice that they have an American heavyweight by the name of Dante Wilder, who's got a massive, massive eraser in that right hand. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Eddie Hearns responded. I guess the, the parties are meeting on Friday. Um, right. The, I guess the terms of the deal are, are uh, uh, you know, that the, the, after a certain amount, uh, after it's, after the gate reaches $100 million, then they split it 50-50. It's hard to say. You know, there, some people, there's a school of thought that says, you know, they should do an interim fight and introduce Joshua to, uh, the U.S. market that nobody over here really knows who he is, despite how well he does over there. Um, some people say that the fight has to be over there because it, it just it wouldn't make any more money, uh, you know, or it'd make the most money over there because of what uh, Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua built. You know, they do, do uh, fill up stadiums with these massive events. But as my good buddy John Novoselic uh, pointed out, that uh, what was it, Vlad and AJ did uh, 11 million at the gate which would be, make it like 19th in Vegas in terms of gates. Uh, so uh, I, I think, you know, a deal needs to be struck. I think it's an offer. It's a bold offer. Is it the, you know, the last stop? Or is it a take it or leave it? Probably not. That's not how you do business. Uh, but it, it definitely says, you know, if 
as Eddie Hearn says, you know, let's see where the money comes from. If you've got this $50 million, who's putting it up? Um, you know, what is it legit? Let's see the contract. Is it secured? Right, right. Yeah, is it secured? That's fair. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, but if it is, I mean, that's just a boss move. It is. You know, and I think what people need to separate is that Anthony Joshua said, let's go. And had the emoji of fire right behind it is that a fighter is a fighter. He wants to fight. Hearns is his businessman. He's a businessman. He's got to get paid. He's not the one taking the other, but he's also, but he's the one that's making the deals. He's putting up the contract. So, obviously, he's going to be in the way of things at the moment. So, before anybody jumps up, jumps out of their seats saying, uh, while there's bluffing, we don't really know yet. Kind of have to wait for it. That's also what you call a due process. And that's what I'm waiting for. I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for that bold statement of $50 million. It got me really going, I can't wait to see this happen. Just can't. Are you there, Gable? Oh, you know, now that I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I was talking to myself on mute. Uh, now that I'm, I'm, I'm not a beat writer and, and not beholden to the deadline, uh, kind of mentality and the 24-hour news cycle mentality, yeah, let's be patient. Like with Canelo, like people, particularly because, like, like Kurt said, very few guys, journalists, have covered it more than I have, um, PEDs. I'm going to wait as long as I can and get as much information as I can so that what I say is correct, not, you know, just my feelings on the subject or I'm doing the eye test or I want to, you know, uh, not be politically correct and, and just, you know, uh, shrug off the, the, the duties of being media and being, being a journalist and just say what I, what I really want to say. Um, no, you got to let it play out. Let's, let's see how the meeting goes on Friday. You know, Eddie Hearn, who I really like, uh, I, love, I love his candor. He said, you know, uh, uh, he was quoted as saying, this is where the, the offer is clever. It's a 50-50 split against a guarantee of $50 million. So if the fight made $120 million, uh, Wilder would get another $10 million. But it's not going to make that. What they've done here is they're, gonna ba- they're banking on the fight, could make $70 million, and he gets $20 million against the 12.5 that we offered him. So it's all just negotiations. Like we said with Lou, when it goes quiet, that's when we know real things are happening. Uh, and, and then it'll be announced. I hope it's sooner rather than later. Let's just do this thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, um, you know, the thing was before was allow them to grow, get better. But the confidence is not going to get any bigger. Both these guys believe that they can win. What they lack in skills, in mind, they're very strong. Let them go at it. Yeah, and let's see what's up. It could be the first of three. It doesn't have to happen all in a row, you know? No. Let's see what's up. No. And uh, so we'll move on. I mean, let's talk a little bit about Thurman. One time. One time, we always talk about Thurman. At one time, we wanted to see Thurman all the time. Now it's Thurman doesn't want to see himself, Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, whatever <laughs> happened to Keith Thurman, man? No time. Keith, Keith used to be the one-time man. Now he's like, nobody, want, nobody turns <laughs> against this kid so bad that, that if there was a, a booing section for Thurman in the crowd, 
Thurman would probably be in that section booing himself. Because, well, man, he's... Know, well, mean, here's the thing, though. You know, we got to know. I mean, we got to take him at his word. He says, you know, here's the right. quote. Due to my rehabilitation for my injuries, I agree to relinquish mm-hmm. my WBC title at this time. I continue to write out my hand and elbow. I look forward to getting back in the ring this summer. It's a temporary setback, and I'll be the unified champion once again. I look forward to winning back my WBC title as soon as possible. Now, it falls into... Uh, I believe uh, the kid, though. I don't know about I you, do but too. I believe him. It sounds I like there's a setback. Know, right. And, and you know what? This is not the first time that athletes... Uh, you know, have took setbacks, you know, I mean, Klitschko, let's talk about Klitschko, both the Klitschkos, uh, uh, Latimer and, and Vitelli, these guys have had setbacks in their body betraying them, you know, um, the thing though is they, they, they've kind of walked through it and fi- fans have always said, well, you know, so what, you know, uh, great fighters fight through, through those adversaries, but we're in a different time. Maybe the business of boxing hasn't changed, but the business, fr- the, 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 the mind of a fighter has. You know, fighters have become more conscious of their business part of creating a brand. And Thurman may be looking at certain things like, hey, I want to be not a, at a 90% Thurman, at 100% Thurman. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose at my 100% point, not my 90% point. Because there is no, there's no excuse that's going to give me the opportunity again to fight for that title. As we've seen in boxing, sometimes, as some have liked to call it out on him, that he's taken hostage of the title, that could be done to him, which, you know, that's caused them to, you know, uh, remember this, when he was, when this guy was, was, you know, on fire, nobody wanted to fight him. It took him a while to get to that title. And I still go back, though, with the whole WBC uh, vacating it. I don't think it was entirely his decision, Gabriel. I think Al kind of tripped in his ear and said, hey, listen, let it go. Let these other guys fight, and the money will be even bigger. Right. I mean, Floyd dipped out for a while, let the other guys fight in the fights, you know, and then, then came in when he needed to, and the fights were bigger when by the time they came around. I mean, you know, who's to say? I think if he fought Cotto sooner, that would have been a huge fight closer to their prime. Yeah, but his, uh, his, dip, his dip out was because there was going to be serious injury on him if he stayed in that division. So he made it out today, kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah no, no question of that. Uh, with Thurman, I mean, this is legit. I mean, you know, uh, his trainer, Dan Birmingham, is an honorable guy. Nobody's ever said anything bad about that guy in the sport. Uh, known as a good trainer, a good technique trainer. Right. Uh, you know, and, and as I said, he, you know, he hurt it, re-injured it uh, in, in sparring and you know, hurt the hand, uh, I guess, in, uh, you know, on a heavy bag. Um you know, so, I mean, injuries and, you know, the, the, the problem that he's facing is that the longer you're out, kind of the softer you get, but then you come right. back, you get injured because you've been out, you know, and now he's just kind of in this horrible, you know, uh, serpent that eats its tail uh, kind of and, uh, cycle. But uh, right. you know, we'll see. But people are jumping off the bandwagon. I mean, there's so much room. Right now on the on the bandwagon, I mean, you could just be you could drive like lean back and like drive with your feet, just really stretch out because there's there's nobody on it right now. There's nobody on it right now. You know, and the, and the thing with with Thurman, what's kind of sad about it is like people jumping off the bandwagon, and you know, his comeback because it, taking a layoff and now vacating this title 
as you mentioned, he gets soft. But also the odds go against him. And the, the, the viewership of wanting to see him come back very slims down. In the boxing world, but in Al Heyman's world, it's completely different. Al thinks a, a, a completely different way, which in his reality is like, listen, I got two guys right now that want to fight for that title. They want to fight you. Danny Garcia, Sean Porter. They can fight each other, but they're fighting for nothing. There's no, there's no title on the line. So that's a fight that's not going to make any sense, and it possibly won't. The networks, you know, probably don't want it, or et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is, that could be whatever case they could make. So he convinces Thurman, hey, let it go. Let these two guys fight, and I'll give you a little bit more when it comes to you getting another title shot against one of these guys. That could be one of the scenarios of what's happening here. Like I said, I don't truly I, – I truly believe his injuries. I truly believe that's why he's out. But I don't truly believe that he made this decision on his own with the WBC saying, hey, I'm going to vacate it, let it go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Al was like, no, I need these two guys to fight. They're not going to fight each other without a title on the line. I can't get them. I can't convince them to fight for a non-title. Hmm, that makes sense. I mean, you know, keep it all in-house. It's smart. Yeah. The, the ones that are keeping it hostage is PBC. <laughs> They're keeping that title hostage. You know, but that's not, not any behavior different than any other promoter would do. No, you know, although he's not, not really I mean, technically a promoter, but uh, but yeah, top, top rank know. has done it many, many times. You know, uh, a golden boy. I mean, this is what promoters do. If you if you're one of them that voted that promoters duck other promoters, then you got to agree with that. That that's what they do. I can let a t- their title go to another house for what? Keep it as 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 long and as you know as long as you can. Ride that wave. I think you know? this is my official uh, favorite reply to uh, my tweet about Canelo. Was it even his hair? <laughs> somebody, uh, Ed Guns, and somebody asked me, "Are you being sarcastic?" Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Greece. That's all we got to say. Greece. The review. This is what's Roman funny. People, what's people that? are saying, you know. The hair test was completed two months after his trace amounts in February. Shows up longer in hair samples, but it's lengthy enough to have left his system, especially if he has cut his hair. Does not prove anything. Some people don't want to, you know. No. Even when like presented said, with science, people don't want to listen. Who knows no. if it was, you know, they were like, maybe you got a haircut. Like, we've all seen Canelo. Does he look like he's gotten a massive haircut in the last few months? Kind of looks yeah. like maybe he gets a trim. He doesn't really have drastic hair changes, does he? No. That's one thing you can say about him. He's uh, born ready. Who knows? They might have taken, you know, pubic hair because body hair is actually better for this sort of reading. We don't know. Yeah. Again, people are, you know, joking. You hmm. know, this is. Would you want to be that fly on the wall if they had to take pubic hair? Not me. Tell you that. There's no reason to. <laughs> people are so rude. Absolutely. You know? It's the uh, internet world, man. 891,000 viewers for the Broner and Vargas. It peaked on Showtime. That's some pretty good numbers there. Pretty good numbers there. It worked. The the rainbow hair kid, 69, Takashi, helped it out. Whether you want to agree with it or not, he helped it out. That big bet there, that big feud, that, that made up feud that 
you know, uh, WrestleMania tactic, it worked. The four division world champion Adrian Broner, he got a draw, which, uh, God, I mean, one fifteen. Let's go with that. Um, uh, let's talk about that. That's our next topic here. We got to talk about that. You know, one fifteen, one thirteen for Broner, fourteen, fourteen twice. That's what the judges agreed on after um, twelve rounds of boxing in Brooklyn Barclay. Okay, uh, Broner now, you know, thirty-three and three, one twenty-four KOs. You know, I don't know if people follow uh, Evan Wachowski from uh, Fishing Autos, but he he brought up a great point for people that keep saying that you know this is his last hooray. That's it. He's not going to go, you know, if he doesn't pull it off, he's done. When you're raking in the amount of viewerships that this guy's doing, the networks are never going to, you know, push you away. And Evan Grant brought up, you know, Arturo Gatti. Arturo Gatti was not really considered a world-class, an A-class fighter, but he brought numbers. Even when he lost, he still had another date scheduled to get back into the ring. Broner's the same way. Just in a different tactic, different way. And I and I I agree with Evan. The guy knows how to put butts in seats. He understands how to, to draw himself, you know. And he's really never in a boring fight, Gabriel. I've never really been bored with this kid. Have you? Um come to think of it, probably not. No, no. I mean I think both guys did just enough to lose, you know, Jesse kind of gassed out, uh, really gassed out. Bro- yeah. Really gassed out. And, and I don't know, you know, early on, I mean, it was a tough fight. I mean, I, you were saying that you felt Jesse had won, um, watching it, you know, um, I don't know. I wasn't that upset at the draw. I could, no, could make I wasn't a case. upset at all. Yeah. You know, you can make a case for Jesse. I think Broner, he just lets way too much time go between letting his hands go. You know, he, he's happy with his defense, feels like he can't get into that shell. And he does pick off, uh, pick off a lot of shots with his gloves and elbows and uh, elbow, you know, and, and the shoulders. But, you know, at the same time, he doesn't fire enough to feel like he's in charge. He's just kind of coming forward slowly in that guard. Uh, you know, it's like we always said, he fights like old Floyd. Um, and it's just, you know, he just doesn't do enough to be special. But, yeah, well, he's entertaining. The thing with Broner and that style of fighting is you learn to be kind of comfortable with somebody taking the lead. Because that style there is for you to kind of sit back and watch and look for the openings that are going to count for you. So you're really kind of training to learn how to wait for your moments. The urgency doesn't kick in. It never does. Because when you kind of uh step your foot on the pedal you you create these these openings of being caught and dropped and i think you learned that with madonna you know where madonna though is this guy has hands of stone once he touches you at the right place he's gonna hurt you and vargas i thought that may have that kind of a a, a small locomotive right hand that would cause enough damage to hurt him and put him in this urgency where he's going to make some mistakes and start trading in between the pockets when Vargas was, you know, full of fume. But he didn't. When he when he started to press on, put his foot on the pedal was when he saw the openings of Vargas gassing out. That's Broner's style. 
he kind of waits for you to, you know, you know, spend all your load, and then he starts inching his way into the fight, which hasn't cost him anything. I, I'm not calling him the problem anymore. This kid is not is the draw. Yeah, I just think you know, I don't know. I I wasn't that excited by the fight. I mean, it was all right. People were really kind of going crazy about it. What you know, what an effort. I thought Jesse went all in early on, but then yeah, he just like fell off the cliff. I was like, man, like you know, how could you be in this kind of shape and then just just fall apart? And it's clear. I mean, his power didn't seem to be bothering Broner. He'd land shots, and Broner'd kind of keep coming. Uh, Broner would let, seem to me to land the heavier shots, but just not enough of them. It was kind of a frustrating fight. Like, unlike Heard versus Lara, which they've, you know, ordered a rematch for, like, I hope they don't order a rematch for this. I, I'm not necessarily that excited to see it again. I think it, we would just get the same fight again. I mean, you, you know, the thing with, with Vargas is he gassed out. I agree with you. But he threw 839 punches in total. And uh, he was, you know... Whereas, like you said, Broner wasn't throwing as much, but he was, you know, 40% accurate with his power shots. So, Vargas, I thought maybe when he started out fast, I think Vargas kind of knew that Broner is one of those guys that takes his time, looks for his shots. You know, he's uh, um, he's not going to be explosive. And this is the moment where you have to kind of take over and take advantage but he never paced himself. He threw a lot of unnecessary punches there, in my opinion, with Vargas. And a lot of those shots did catch the elbows and shoulders and gloves of Broner. Yeah. I guess he could fight smarter the next time, you know. Uh, but I think it, the plan was to kind of keep Broner, who's, who was a little more of a counterpuncher, kind of on the back foot, you know, attack him and crowd him, push him back. I was, I was surprised at times that, that Vargas was able to push Broner back. He seemed to be pretty strong in there. Um, How much of those you know, low blows though took out took um took out of him? I mean, took you know some fight out of Vargas though. What do you think? I thought some of those. Something. Yeah, you know, I think that could have been some of the reason why he gassed out. But but man, he really gassed out. You know, I mean, he was a fish out of water. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's about. You know. You know, I know. Um, where does where does where's Broner go from here? With those kind of numbers, he goes anywhere right now. I think Showtime is willing to put him back on. Rematch with Vargas probably makes makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of folks would want to see a rematch. It was a good enough fight to see it again. I thought. I don't know what sure. you thought, but I thought, why not? Yeah, I'm just looking at the at the board and just kind of like, yeah, who who do you put him in with next? Where does he go from here? We Not know that he will outprice him. No. No. Um, maybe. Oh, God, do you want to see him with Porter again? I don't. Well, yeah. And he's busy. So, yeah. you know, Is um, Paulie still a fighter? <laughs> <laughs> he wants to see that rematch? That's funny. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe you just go right back to, to Vargas and kind of a placeholder and yeah, they got to settle their business and then, you know, they'll, they'll raise their profile. I mean, that, those kind of ratings, I mean, obviously, you know, a rematch is not off the table. It's probably the most viable thing at this point. 
Showtime's strong enough, they would make that rematch. Off those numbers, that's the way to go. I don't see them going backwards and maybe getting an opponent. Why do it? Um, because the name already between those two have generated that amount of numbers. And people know, even the Broner fans know who Vargas is. And they know they're going to get a good fight. Because both men did. One guy did all the dishing in the first half. The second guy did all the dishing in the second half. So it makes perfect, perfect but I tell you who I want to see next No matter where Give me one of the Charlo twins That kid made a major state Statement with uh, Hugo Centeno I mean second round I mean think about this He threw a flurry of punches I think it was what a five maybe six punch combination there That he threw and he landed the left hook And that's what put Hugo to sleep Jesus And who And let me tell you this Hugo's hair didn't even move man it stayed in place. I was surprised. Yeah, I, unbelievable. I mean, what a shot that is. He was, his was better than uh, who's that cat that fought Birdo? Uh, that looked like Johnny Bravo. Mikey uh, Rodriguez or Mickey Rodriguez? No, uh, Mickey. Was it Mickey? Mickey. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, and I like Hugo. You know, he's a good kid. I do too. Good kid. Uh, you know, good kid. Honest effort. I, 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 but I felt like he was going to get. Uh, torn in this fight, and he did. Yeah, you know, I thought he was going to get smashed, but not like that. I, well, I he thought stood he was still. Get he decided to yeah. trade with the guy. I mean, like second round, you don't need to be getting your respect just yet. Maybe with single shots with the power puncher, like Charlo, but back flat to the ropes. You're trading at an awkward angle. Like he wasn't even at a good angle to be throwing his shots. It's like he was getting kind of crowded and awkward, and it was just panic. And then boom, the fight was over. It was. uh Brutal. It was but, almost it, to me. It was almost like Hugo didn't know exactly how to time Charlo or what to do, to, what to do with him. Like he didn't really know. Okay, is this guy really? Is he really heavy-handed? Could he really hit? How do I, I, you know, how do I find this out with really getting connected? Do I stand my ground? It, it, it seemed like he was confused. <laughs> he was moving yeah. around a lot. And then he stood there in front of him at the wrong time, and Charlo connected with a beautiful left hook, and then it was lights out. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, from the get, that's what it looked like. When you're doing that side motion, and and it all doesn't seem like it's going to lead to a punch. You're just trying to move and, and chucking and jiving, and, and, you know, you're just burning energy. You know, the Charlos are, their confidence, both of them, uh, are at such a, a high right now. Uh, and, and they're doing what Tyson used to do. What Triple G was doing, I think maybe uh, now that the, the bloom is off that rose a little bit, but that fear factor that they're already working on you, just thinking about having to face them and get hit by them, that starts to work on you. Uh, and you could see that in the game plan of Hugo. He's moving all over the place. He didn't look like he was comfortable just being himself. You know, all of a sudden, this guy that we were, people were talking about having uh, knockout power, he wasn't fighting like a guy that had knockout power. No, uh, that's what the, no, the Charlotte Duda got. Most exciting yeah. duo in the, in the sport. Absolutely. And time is flying. We only got about a minute and 40 uh, seconds here left on leading the ring. So obviously we didn't get to talk about everything we wanted to. Um, so you got to bear with us, folks. We're still, you know, shaking on the ring, shaking off the ring rust here and not uh, keeping track of the time here. But, I, you know, Obviously, uh, uh, Charlo brought up uh, Triple G's name, 
which is, hey, that's the name you got to attach yourself to. You blame the kid. Is he ready for Triple G? Um, I tell you what, power is a game changer. Is he ready? I'm not sure. Because of the, of the people that are on his list, his resume doesn't tell me he could box with Triple G. But what tells me is that that punch can obviously do something to anybody that stands in front of him. So is it a major leap to say that he can be competitive with Triple G? No. Is it a major leap to say, no, we can't be competitive yet because as it's shown that, I couldn't, dis- I couldn't disagree with you at all. Because there's still things that are, that are not put on the table yet about Charlo. There's things there that need to be found out. And once he starts stepping in with uh, better competition, guys that can actually take his punch or avoid that big punch he has um, and kind of drag him into the trenches to see where he's at and what happens when he doesn't have his way is when we're going to find out a lot about, about both brothers. But if what I'm seeing right now, as long as they got that punch, guess what? They're going to be all right. Anyways, I'm your Dave. I'm your, I'm your Dave. I'm your, uh, your host, Dave. Doing this here on Leaving the Ring. My co-host, <laughs> Mr. Gabriel Montoya. Um, hey, we didn't get a chance to talk about Danny Jacobs, but we'll obviously throw up our, our, our pick on Twitter um, and, or on Facebook, wherever it lands first, right? But till next week, guys. And also, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Had a great time as usual. Like I said, we'll get back on track. We'll, we'll, we'll shake off the rest of this ring with us here on Leaving the Ring. <laughs> Peace. Bad. All right. <laughs>